Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. As we begin today, I'd like to take you on a little trip. And we're going to go thousands of miles, and, and we're going across the Pacific Ocean to Australia. And in Australia, where we're going to go is a city named Perth. And it's in the city of Perth that was an industrial city that they wanted to, to build up their downtown. And they had a number, in their downtown area, there were a number of factories and, and industrial-type locations, some of which were, were moving outside of the town. And so they were developing their downtown area. And so what they did is they made a... I guess you would call it a tax, that anyone who was doing a refurbishing of a building or anyone who is going to be building a new building that was over $1 million had to make a contribution to the uh, Art and Development Committee, which what they did is they, they took this money and they were developing parks and works of art so that as people went down in these areas, it would make it more inviting and, and that it would just be an area that would draw people down there so, so they would have more people being part of these businesses. So that's what they did. So a number of businesses did this. They, they were renovating this area and they, they got the money that they needed to, to do some art and sculpture. And so what they decided to do was to have a contest and, and they opened it up to any artist's in Australia, and they offered them, please come up with your ideas of the artwork that you would like to put in this downtown area and in this park, and what we will do is, after we get all of the, the people that are interested, we're going to narrow it down to three, and after we narrow it down to three, we're going to pick one. They are going to be awarded the, uh, you know, the, I guess the first prize, and, and, and they will build their sculpture. So they did that, and they narrowed it down to three, and then they narrowed it down to one, and actually the, 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 there was a team that won, an artist named Brian McKay and an engineer named Ahmad Abbas. And they came up with this great idea that was the one that the committee chose, and then they, they, they built the sculpture, and then they unveiled it, and this is what they came up with. your reaction was very much like the city of Perth when it was unveiled. Looked at it and said, are you kidding me? This, this cost us tens of thousands of dollars that we got all the greatest minds of Australia, all the greatest artists, and this is what you came up with? And I know what you're thinking right now, guys. I know what you're thinking. That kind of looks like a field goal post after the, in a very strong wind or maybe after our team uh, kicked a winning field goal to win the game that we started ripping the field goals down, field goal posts down, and that's what it looked like. Well, needless to say, there, there was a huge outcry uh, about this uh, when the, the people saw it going up and, and when it was finally done. But if you were to go to Perth and if you were to go to the park 
And if you were to look at the sculpture and you started to walk around and you looked at it from all the different angles, at one point you would get to the exact front of the park. And as you were in the front of the park and looked at the sculpture and looked at the buildings behind it, this is what you would see. And what it is, is, is it's called the impossible triangle. It's called the, a Penrod triangle. And it looks like it's a continuous triangle and it looks like they're 90 degrees. But there is one spot, and, and there is literally a, uh, a plaque on the ground that says, if you want to see the triangle, this is the best place to stand in order for you to see it. And slowly as you move side to side, it, it will start to... to to look less and less like that triangle. And, and so you have this weird reality that on the one hand, when one person is standing in one direction looking at it, it's an incredible work of art and, and something that's very special. But someone from a completely different perspective looking at it will, will see something that really looks like garbage, like something that's not very impressive at all. Now, the reason why I bring this up today is because we are going through a message series entitled Church with a Heart. And, and when we talk about church, I'm going to get there in just a minute. First of all, the church, the, the word church has a number of different meanings, I guess like a, a broad and a narrow meaning. On the one hand, the word church, when the Bible uses the word church, it refers to everyone who believes in Jesus of all time. So anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone with that identity that I'm a, a, a blood-bought child of God, or child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, by definition, then you are part of the church. You're part of God's family. But sometimes we use the church to describe a specific gathering of people. A, a better word is, is really a congregation is what we would call it a gathering. And so at the same time, we would call crosswalk a church. Now, what I did in the last couple weeks, because I have uh, been, knew, I knew this message was coming, I asked a number of people, many people that I know, I asked them on a scale of one to 10, how good do you think crosswalk is? How, how are we doing? And I will tell you, I got a, a low of two. Uh, crosswalk is failing miserably and is horrible. And I got a high of nine, that I love crosswalk. I can't give a 10 this side of heaven, but I, I love crosswalk. I love the people here. I love the message that is being preached. I, I love my growth group. I love being involved. And I think the ministry here is great. And so as I thought about that, it, it it made me realize that really God's church, those who have been called out of darkness into the light of faith, are very much like that triangle or those goalposts, depending on your perspective, in Perth. And, and so what, what I mean is that, that as some people look at crosswalk and, and, and they look at it and they look at us, Remember, we're a group of people that just before confessed that we are not a church with a heart, that we're selfish and we are self-centered and, and things come out of our mouths and, and we do things that are not very loving. And so when they describe us as that, that twisted field goal post that, that seems like worthless, they are correct. 
But there's another place where, where the Bible asks us to stand, and it says, stand right here, and I need you to look at God's church through the lens of Jesus' payment that he made on the cross. And when you do that, when you look at it from that perspective, from the perspective of individuals who have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, what you see is something that is perfect, made perfect by Jesus Christ. And so when someone says crosswalk is a two, and Jesus says crosswalk is a ten, that at the same time, because of your perspective, you could argue both are true. And so today, as we go into this message and we begin this message series, Church with a Heart, it's going to be my goal, first of all, to take you from wherever you are. If you have a number in your head of what you think crosswalk is and areas where we need to improve, that's great. I want you to, to, to not let go of that. But at the same time, I, I invite you to take a walk with me. Take a walk and, and let's walk around. Not just crosswalk, but let's take a walk around God's church and, and look at it from every vantage point. And when we begin to do that, we will begin to understand, first of all, the church better, but we will also be able to understand what God wants from us, what he wants from you, what he wants from me, from crosswalk, from his whole church, when he wants a church with a heart. We begin by looking at John chapter 13. And it's in John chapter 13 that Jesus is with his disciples the, the day before he is going to die. It's on the Thursday before Good Friday. And a number of things that happened, they had already celebrated the Passover. Judas, who was going to betray Jesus, had just left. Earlier in the night, Jesus had washed his disciples' feet. And by doing that in, that, in that work of humility, he showed love to them. And he said, as I have loved you, as I've shown you this type of love, you also are to love one another. Then we come to these words. When he was gone, so Judas had just left, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. And so we see, first of all, there's a connection between the Father and the Son, that Jesus, as he does his work, gives glory to the Father, and the Father gives glory to the Son, so, so that when we praise and worship, whether it be the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, that they are those three persons, yet one God, and, and that when we praise and give glory to one, we give glory to all of them. But think about that for a moment, that he is going to be glorified at once. It's the start of the football season. So we got some Cardinals wear going on today. I want you to think for a moment, if this was the year the Cardinals are going to be glorified, what would go through your mind? I know Jeff's all excited. He thinks it's every year Jeff thinks the Cardinals are going to be glorified. And so what it is, it's the, I don't even remember what year the Dolphins were the last perfect season, but the Cardinals right now are on track to reach that. They have not lost yet. And so the, the Cardinals being glorified would be a Super Bowl. Anything short of that would be no good. 
Bruce Arians, I'm not a Cardinals fan, but he, I, he might be the best coach in the NFL anyways, but, but would get that award. Carson Palmer will be the MVP, and, and the Cardinals will be glorified. Instead of the, you know, the doormat of their division, they will be raised up and glorified and, and celebrated uh, by their city and, and by their state. That's not how Jesus looks at being glorified. Instead, we go to the next verses from Philippians 2, verse 6, 6 through 11. And this is talking about Jesus. It's talking about the second person of the Trinity, the Son. The Son, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want you to stop there just for a moment. When you think of Jesus, you see Jesus is true God and true man, 100% God, 100% man. But Jesus has always been, or I should say, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, before he became man, was always part of God, always the second person. He didn't need more glory. Are you kidding me? What more glory can you have than to be God? To be with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, loving and being loved inside of that Godhead. And, and, and it was perfection, perfection inside of that Godhead. Yet when Jesus came to the world and he now was going to give glory, even more glory to that Godhead, it wasn't going to be by what he took and and by looking down at everyone, but how was he going to get this glory? By humbling himself, by being a servant, becoming obedient to death, paying for the sins of all people. And so we continue. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You must make a connection between these two verses. When it talks about Jesus being glorified what he's talking about is going to the cross Pain for the sins of all people of all time. He's talking about his death. He's pointing ahead to his resurrection and the victory that would be won for all people. He's talking about his relationship with you, his service to you, to make you his child, to forgive your sins. And they are paid for, which gives glory to Christ and to the Father. In the blank, you can write, Jesus is a savior with a heart. And he showed that heart through his humble service. He showed that heart by giving his life on the cross. He showed that love by giving whatever we needed in every need. So as we talk about being a church with the heart, it's impossible to talk about being a church with the heart without talking about our Savior who has a heart. 
Now, after Jesus talks about how he's going to receive glory, this is what he says next, John 13, 34, and 35. So, so after he's talking about himself, now he says, I'm going to talk about you as, as those who are following me. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I'm sure you run into this all the time, don't you? When, when, you're, when your neighbors see you or, or when you're just walking downtown, they, that people will stop you and say, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Jesus. That's it. Yeah, because you're so loving, just like Jesus is loving, it's like I couldn't put my finger on it who you reminded me of because of the way you act. It's Jesus. Or maybe not. Maybe that's never happened to me, ever. And as we look at this, I think the reason why is because we have a little bit different way sometimes of thinking about how we're going to receive glory. And I'm telling you, for, for someone who's a pastor, someone, someone who's, you know, hopefully setting the tone by the way that I act, I'm, I'm going to tell you there are times when I, I take you on detours, because sometimes I think the, the best way that Crosswalk could be a church, you know, with a heart would be, let's get that land, man. Let's get that 80 grand. Let's get the checkbooks out and let's get this done so that we can get a nice building and we can be one of the biggest churches in the valley. And then occasionally maybe there'll be a newspaper article about uh, when Pastor Dan took over as lead pastor for Pastor Jeff and the, <laughs> then things started to happen and, and it was all good. No. That, but that's what I want with a church with a heart. More people, maybe even more ministries. Not that the, those things are bad, but when we look at being a church with a heart, where does it start? Love one another as, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so when, when being a church with a heart, it doesn't mean taking a step up, it means taking a step down. And a step down, as Jesus did, you know, figuratively as he washed his disciples' feet, that that's also where we show a heart of love. Not by taking, but by giving. So that people can see in us the love that Christ has shown to us. That's, that's the what, what we need to be doing. Now, how do we do that? 1 John 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. My goodness sakes, you, you cannot be a church with a heart without a savior with a heart. It's impossible. And maybe you've tried. I, I, I'll be, if I'm honest, I would say there are times I, I've tried. I'm gonna be loving if it kills me. And it will if I am not connected to Christ and it will be for you as well. It always starts with Jesus and it is his heart that beats for us, that then beats inside of us as we serve others. In the blank, you can write, Jesus' plan was for his followers to show a heart of love. That was always the plan. And it's still the plan. And, and as we look at that, I, it's even today to, be, to think to yourself, what is a way today that I can help others see Jesus in me by showing humility and Christian service? I challenge you to do that. It's as unique as the individuals are here today. 
But, but let's keep that in the back of our minds and maybe even the front of our minds. How can I do this? How, what are the opportunities that God gives me in my life? So this is a great plan. I'm just telling you, it's great. Jesus, if you, Jesus, this is a great plan. You show love to us, we show love to others. But sometimes that plan doesn't always work. And, and we see it in Jesus' own ministry. John 6, verse 66. This, this was earlier, after Jesus had fed the 5,000 people, which means there were probably up to 15,000 people there. This is what it says. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That even after Jesus had done this and he had, had, he had fed all of these people, there came a time when he said, you know what? I'm not about feeding you guys. That's not what this ministry is about. And even though our, my father does is he provides everything you need for your body and life, that really the, the ministry is about sin and my payment of it for you, of taking away that problem of sin. And as people heard that, they didn't like it. And, and because they didn't like it, they started just to, you know what, maybe we don't need this. Maybe we're not that hungry that we need, we don't want both of these things. And, and sometime as you're reading through your Bible, maybe think of it in terms of reading and finding out individuals who were unhappy with Jesus. They didn't like what Jesus had to say. I think of a, a time when the rich young ruler, remember when he came to Jesus and said, you know, what, must, what good thing must I do to be saved? And, and Jesus pointed him to the t Ten Commandments. And he said, all these I've kept since I was a, a child. And, and we're told that Jesus looked at him and loved him. And because he loved him, Jesus said, then go sell everything you have and follow me. And we're told that the man went away sad because he had great wealth. That was like, you know what, Jesus? I, no, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Another time I think of Jesus' ministry where, where people were unhappy with him that, that he did not have a, a high rating, approval rating, was at the death of his friend Lazarus. That as you read through that, Jesus knew that Lazarus was sick and he waited three days before he went to where Lazarus was and Lazarus died. So finally, he, he knew Lazarus was dead. He went with his disciples and they got outside. They didn't even get to the city yet where, or the house where they were at and Martha met him first. And the first words out of her mouth, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Thanks, Martha. Great to see you too. Uh, thanks. So then the next person to meet with him, Mary. Rabbi, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Thanks, Mary. How you doing? Did, do we have any food for the funeral or anything like that? And then as he went closer over by the tomb, all the people that were standing there, you know, he said he loved him, but if he would have come earlier, uh, Lazarus would never have died. Everyone there, without coming right out and saying it, was, Jesus, we really think it's your fault that this is happening because we know you have the power to heal him. And since you chose not to use it, therefore, we're not happy with you because you not only let this happen, but you must have wanted it to happen. What kind of monster are you? And what kind of friend, by the way? See, there, and maybe you look at your life the same way, that, that sometimes we have a misunderstanding when it comes to Jesus with a, with a heart of love. We take that to mean Jesus gives me what I want 
when I want it. That's what loving people do, right? They do what I want them to. This made me think of a, of a, of a situation that, that went on over a long period of time with my wife and myself and someone who... <sighs> crosswalks real people, real faith, right? Okay? And part of real people is we, people with substance abuse, and I'm, I'm assuming by virtue of the number of people are here, who are here today that there are people who, who struggle with it. I know there are. And we were specifically dealing with a, a young woman who was struggling with substance abuse. And I knew her relatives who live out of state, and they said, she's in Phoenix, can you help her? And I said, yeah, I, yeah, I'll help her. So it started with we, we would go maybe take her a $25 Walmart gift card. And uh, we would take her someplace where she could get a shower. She's addicted to meth. And it just, it, the addiction was just not good. So we would do that. We'd take her 25 bucks and take her to Walmart and get some deodorant or get a t new t-shirt or something just to help her. And this went on a couple hundred dollars worth. And, uh, you know, at that point, we're just, you know, we're okay with that. We're just trying to help. And then one night, it was the call came about 10 o'clock. You have to come get me right now. And I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do when these people are after me. And so I told my wife, let's go hop in the, the Jeep. We're going to go find her. So we did. And it was up on Bell Row, whatever. Anyways, not a good neighborhood. And, uh, and now all of a sudden I realize I'm driving around with her in my vehicle, realizing I'm putting my wife and myself at risk besides, and uh, drove around, got her stuff, and it was now midnight, and I finally said, here's the deal. We're getting you a hotel room. We'll figure this out in the morning. So we dropped her off at a hotel room, went home. My wife and I are thinking, you know, what are we going to do? Went back there at a time when she was supposed to check out, and she had come up with an idea of what we could do to help her. She wanted me to rent her an apartment for a month by giving my ID and my credit card as the, the security for it. And that way she could live there for a month and, and start to get her life back together. And my wife just looked at me. She never said a word. She just looked at me. And I knew that wasn't going to happen. No, it, we, there's no way. I mean, we couldn't do it. And I don't know if, Jeff, if you remember, I called you that day. I called Jeff from the, the parking lot, and I'm like, Jeff, I don't know what to do. I just, I do not know what to do. And, and, he, and your words of advice to me were, Dan, you have to understand what your role is in her life. That, that at some point, you need to establish that. And I talked to another friend who, is, is, who deals with substance abuse, and and basically, this is where we ended up. I told her, you can call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to take you to a treatment facility to get help. But I am not going to drive you around every night. I'm not going to get you a hotel room. At some point, you have to understand you have a problem with drugs, and you have to deal with that. And when you're ready to do that, call me. After an expletive laced um, tirade on me. Um, she would be someone who's at a two or maybe a one with how happy she is with Crosswalk and me. 
But, but I, I, I hope that through that you understand that it made me realize on that day that just because you don't give someone what they want doesn't mean you don't love them. As a matter of fact, by not giving them what they want, sometimes you are truly showing them love. And so it is with the church as well, that as we look at it, I'm not going to say that I haven't sinned against people here and that maybe you're upset with me and it's my fault because I am not a perfect savior and, and, and sometimes I'm not even a person who has a heart, that, that I am selfish and self-centered. So just so we're clear, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm perfect in this, but we do need to understand and ask ourselves the question, what is it that we want from each other and what is it what we want from our God? What does it truly mean to be a church with a heart? We continue. We continue at 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Now we're going to talk about you for a little bit. But you, if you are someone who has your identity as a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, this is talking to you. If you are saying that you are a Christian, this is you, just so you know, when it says, but you... But you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And what has now happened is as we look at this, that, that you are established as being, when we talk about a church with a heart, now we're not talking about crosswalk necessarily as a church, but we're talking about you as someone who knows Jesus. So whether or not you go to crosswalk or don't go to crosswalk, if you're part of the family of Christ, this is talking about you and, and how beautiful it is. Uh, in the blank, you can write, it's important for you as a follower of Jesus to understand your place in the family, in the church. And what I mean by that is place, not like you're here and I'm there or anything like that, but you're part of it. That's it. You, you are a chosen person. All of these promises of God uh, are, are ones that refer to you. And, and what a blessing it is. Notice that you are chosen. All of these, I already read them to you. But a royal priesthood, now you're part of this, that you're an active agent in this. And the second part that you, we need to understand is your role and responsibility in the church. Your role and responsibilities in the church. One of the things that happens sometimes is, is people don't want a church with a heart. They want a pastor with a heart. And what that means is that as they go through their, their, their lives, what they really want to do is they want to talk to Jeff or me, and probably Jeff, as, because as I've told you, when I have issues, I call Jeff anyways. So, so anyway, so eliminate me, no. The, that as we look at this, I just want you to do a little math, okay? This, and this is the math. We, we've had attendance of up to 600 people in the last month. If the person who is preaching would take five minutes with each one of you, that would be 3,000 minutes a week, which would be 50 hours. 50 hours to give each person here five minutes. And so if I call you and you're not there, the minute that I'm waiting for your message, then the, the 30 seconds I leave a message count against your 
five minutes, so that when you call me back, hey, how are you doing? All of that, five minutes tops. So, so you look at that and you realize that that's a model of, of having that. Not that our pastors don't have hearts, but that as you look at it, it's, it's a model that is not scalable. And so what we've tried to do is we've also tried to be a, a leadership team with a heart. And so what we have is we have 30 growth group leaders and we have elders, six elders as well. And so what happens is then you do the math and it gets more manageable. Then it's only a couple hours a week where we could call everyone who's at church and give them five minutes, but we still haven't dealt with those who haven't been here who probably need the phone call even more than you do. And it becomes clear that as we look at this truth, but you are a royal priesthood. You are. And so as as we look at a church with a heart, that that God says, no, let's do it a different way. That every person here gets to minister to every person here. And and so uh, you become a person and, and a member of the church with a heart when you know who Jesus is and you recognize his great love that now you have the ability to share it with those around you. Which means now you take ownership in that. And, and see, that's the thing is when, when you get to that, your place in the family, imagine if I were to stand up here and say, you know what, I re- you know who I really have an issue with and people that I don't like? Salofras. No, no, not you. I, although I do have an issue with you. The, the, no, my real issue is people with the last name Salofra. Because, you hear me? Are you hearing me? First of all, because all of them are short. What's the deal with that? I mean, where did that gene go in, in their family? Second of all, as a rule, the ones I know talk too much, and when they do talk too much, don't have necessarily a lot to say. Uh, I could go on with, with all of the describing the people in my family. Oh, you think I'm talking about myself? No, I'm talking about Salofras, not me. Come on, I'm tall for a slofra. <laughs> I am. Anyways, do you, you, do you see how ridiculous that is? That when I, if I rip on slofras, I'm ripping on myself. And when I point out shortcomings as slofra, I'm, I'm, what I'm really doing is pointing it back at myself. What I'm telling you is that if you are a Christian, that, that you have a relationship with Jesus, and you are critical of the church, do you realize who you're criticizing? You're criticizing yourself. That to the degree that you see things that are wrong, that are not being done, that you are not willing to do, but instead maybe point to a pastor or someone in a leadership position or around you, you are not understanding this concept. A church with a heart starts with a person like you who has a heart for those around them and is able to see need and address it. I want you to think about that because this starts having a true expectation of where we're going from here. Now, what does this look like? We go Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves. Now, this is is the church. This is all these people who believe in Jesus back just after Jesus had gone up into heaven and this was after Pentecost. And this is the church gathering together, the church with the heart. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as, who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, this is a picture. Of what, what, what does a church with a heart do? This is what a church with a heart does. And we're going to put those on the, the, in the fill in the blank right now. You can see it up here. That, that the church shows love today. How do we show our heart? First of all, by offering friendship. Otherwise known as fellowship. We use those terms interchangeably. That when you think of, of an individual who needs a friend, that is what the church does for them. And I'm telling you, if you are someone who needs a friend, I don't know if you need me to physically carry you to a growth group or what, but, but the reality of it on our ministry teams and growth groups, there are such strong, deep friendships that I can't even begin. I mean, we could have a whole message of just people telling their stories of how important that is. The next one, teaching. They, they gathered around these teachings, and, and we call that discipleship. That's kind of my, my gig here at Crosswalk. And whether it be growth groups where you learn or class system, which, by the way, 201 through 501, Arizona Lutheran Academy, Jeff teaching, I'm teaching, Jonathan's teaching, Phil's teaching, you show up there, you will be taught, and you will be discipled. Uh, 5.30 tonight, be there. The next one is gathering that they were gathering together for, for praying and, and meditating on God's word. Call that worship. And I just want to take a second right now. There are people who are, are watching on our YouTube channel. Hey, everybody. It's great to have you. We're so happy you're here. I don't know if I've said hi to you before, but it's great to have you. And, and I'm happy you're listening because you weren't able to be here. But if you are a person who's, who's, who has written in and said, we'd like to have all the music and stuff like that too, so it's just like we're here, you need to come to church, okay? Because you're missing something. If you're only going online, and if you're going online, even though you have a chance to be here, you're missing the gathering part. And there's a personal part of being around other brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's okay if you miss church and you're doing it, Welcome. But if you can be here, by all means, do. Do come. The final one that we, or excuse me, the second last one, uh, what we offer is hope. And, and I call that outreach, offering hope to people who aren't part of the church, who don't know Jesus. We're offering hope for a future. And finally, we offer help. Whether it be through our Compassions Fund or, or through our ministry teams or through our growth groups, uh, we call that also service. So those are the things we're going to do. Now what I'm telling you is this, is that for the next three weeks, what we're doing is, if, is especially if you are someone who is either disgruntled with church or you are someone who doesn't know exactly how the, we're supposed to be showing love, the next three weeks, that is what we are going to do. To really lay some expectations of what you should expect from Jesus and what you should expect of your brothers and sisters in Christ. In the final blank, you can write Crosswalk's vision. How do we see that our perfect future, that as we look at it, what's the picture we paint? 
that we want to be a church, okay? We want to be a church, those who have been called out of darkness into the light of the gospel, those who know Jesus, we want to be the church for the unchurched. So in other words, for those who don't yet know that hope and have that hope in Christ, we want to be that hope for them, both in the way that we act and with the message that we share. And the way that we're going to do that, I'm telling you right now, is fellowship, discipleship, worship, outreach, and service. But, but we'll dig into that and drill down farther exactly what that means. And the final blank you can write, what do we want to be? Another way of restating our mission would be to be a church with a heart. To be a church with a heart. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there's no doubt about it, and that is you are a savior with a heart, and you have a huge heart. You have a huge heart that was willing to, to give your life uh, for the lives of all of your people, and for that we thank you. Now, Lord, as we, we look at our lives, help us to also live with a heart and to show a heart for those around us. We realize we can't be everything to everyone. There's just no way. But yet as we do this together, we are able to be your body and, and we are able to help people in so many different ways. Help each of us as individuals to look in our lives of, of areas where we can show uh, love and care and compassion, of ways that we can uh, serve or, or offer hope or, or grow in our faith, however it is, Lord. Open our eyes to these opportunities and help us now to live with your heart in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. That song reminds me of one of my favorite Max Lucado quotes. Uh, he, he wrote, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And, and so what he does is he gives us a heart. He gives us his heart by offering us forgiveness. But, and that forgiveness is not only there, but also then the power to change and, and to show love to others in our lives. And so as you go uh, personally, individually, look at that of, of being part of Christ church with his heart. Now as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. See you on the patio.